hello, and welcome to Movie the Musical, a podcast about movies that have been turned into musicals. I am your host, Ben Kay, pouring myself a cup of ambition. We are here to investigate, interrogate, and celebrate the art of adaptation from screen to stage. We are a podcast that loves questions, and today's question is... How about we head back to the 1980s, right? That seemed like a great time. Everyone's wearing suits. Uh, I'm, I, there's some great giant computers and printing machines. Everything looks just so fun, right? And the, the hats. 80s. The hats. <laughs> Very I feel much. Like a lot of hats. this show takes place in the 80s, of our podcast, I mean. Yes, I know. There's some weird glamorization of the, of the 80s as an era. Which At film and musicals, yeah, yes, it's, it's bizarre. Well, it's you know, it's a it's a constant nostalgic feedback feedback loop where the films made from the eighties that we have nostalgia for, and then we just like keep reviving it and reviving it, and that's just where we live. Yeah. Maybe. It was the final nail in the coffin, the 1980s, for uh, American society as a whole, I would say. And we, yes, and we have to reckon with that on a daily basis, mm-hmm. don't we? Let's Jump into this. Let's do this. Today's episode, friends. Uh, last week was nine. So, of course, this week's episode <laughs> is nine to five. The 1980. 1980- oh, I know. I called it. I didn't even think about that until this moment. <laughs> I know. Numbers Listen, month. <laughs> it's number. It's, truly. It's numbers. Numbers November, folks. Uh, we love our numerals. So good. N- uh, 1980s, nine to five, a film directed by Colin Higgins and its subsequent. 2009 Broadway musical adaptation with a book by Patricia Resnick and music and lyrics by Dolly Parton. As always, our wonderful producer and editor, Bran Moorhead, is here today. Hello, Bran. Hello. I kind of worked nine to five today. Yeah. On various jobs. (laughs) What a way to make a living. Uh, Mm Ah, God. It's a catchy bop. It's a bop of a thing. Oh, it's Um, And here to extol uh, that the i don't know everything about this weird show um she is someone who has been referred to as one of the most emerging voices on the internet <laughs> someone i am thrilled to call broadway's gossip girl if you will um liz gottlieb i'm thrilled that she is here with us today i um th- the thrill is mutual what what a thrilling time um also you mentioned the song truly my first note on my notes pages what an infectious fucking song so you know there mm-hmm. we go just to kick this thing off grammy award winning academy award nominated nine to five um the song that speaks to all of us who are privileged enough to have office jobs in these in this gig economy time. Um, but anyway, uh, first of all, Liz, I will, I gotta say on mic, you have been one of our earliest supporters of the podcast. It, that, that has not gone unnoticed. <laughs> You've been doing the Lord's work over on the hell site that is Twitter. To- yeah. <laughs> keep us going truly all i do is spread secrets um all we do is text about secrets uh mm-hmm. yeah early lo- long time first time over here so um yeah yeah <laughs> thrill thrill to be in the mix uh i don't know if i have any secrets about this production but i definitely have opinions so <laughs> sure. and like listen we don't we don't have to be sh- this ain't no sweet smell of success we don't need to be sharing blind items about <laughs> the the back doors of broadway um, I'm on the, well, I mean, maybe, maybe we'll see where the 
conversation leads. Yeah. <laughs> but this ain't no this ain't no gossip brag of a show. Um, I do we'll have keep that behind the paywall. Yeah, exactly. You should sur- subscribe to our Patreon. <laughs> yeah, subscribe to our Patreon, and maybe then we'll have a. Maybe we should. We sauce. have been we have been talking about. So I will say to go a little bit off topic. We our most recent Patreon or one of our most recent Patreons was everybody's talking about Jamie. Um, a movie musical that Bran and I were extremely nonplussed by. Yeah. Uh, just a completely uh, facile entertainment experience. And so most of that episode was not spent talking about the show or the movie. It was just like, what's going on in the world right now? Um, Truly, so like, <laughs> that's one of those shows that I remember seeing the pro shot of, which was at some point circulating. And I, I remember going on a full tweet storm and I was just like, if they can not bring this to the US, they can't fix the book. And then they announced it was coming. And then they announced it was going to be a movie. Yeah. Uh, wow. What a nothing show. <laughs> nothing burger, as we like to say. Uh, but yeah, so that's mm-hmm. all to say. Maybe we'll have you on for a Patreon where we just talk shop, talk Broadway, talk Broadway news. We'll see what's up. Would love it. Um, who knows? Um, but I do have a thesis to pin at the top of this episode today, um, as I am wont to do. Um, and the, the, the question uh, pertains to comedies. And especially film comedies, because there is a... And we'll get more into this with the earnestness of the musical when we're talking in musical talk. Because as we've brought up many times on this show, many, many times before, and I'm sure it will come up a lot more as this podcast runs for the future of all mankind as people keep adapting films into musicals. Um, Broadway musicals are inherently a very earnest artistic medium. They they tend to flatten things out. They tend to take the acidity and roughness out a lot of out of a lot of their source material. And so the question today is like, what happens when you take a movie like Nine to Five, which is at the end of the day a very wacky antics-filled comedy, and mm-hmm. bring it to the very earnest-filled musical theater stage, and especially the Broadway stage. Um, we don't, we're not going to answer that question at the top. We can dig into that a little bit later, but that's sort of the, that's the thing we can all start to think about mm-hmm. as we go on this journey um, here today. Um, I don't have answers because I like, I, yeah, I don't know. It's, that was sort of my main thought when I was watching uh, 1980s 9 to 5, a movie I'd never seen before. Um, yeah, and it is, uh, it's real goofy. I gotta say, that is sort of like my number one note. It's, it's kind of a goofy time. Uh, Liz, you, uh, you also, you told me this was your first time watching this film. Um, yeah. yeah. What, so, what are so, yeah, what are like broad impressions? So, I mean, I had seen the musical first, which we'll get into. I saw the musical on the Broadway, uh, in eighth grade, uh, ate it up with a spoon on the Broadway. If I'm being a hundred percent, um, I liked it a lot. Uh, I had heard about it for years. I think their dynamic is really great. Um, I do love like a screwball comedy. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I mean, maybe I'll save this for later, but I will say, I think in talking about that translation of earnestness, I also saw a lot of like fat trimming as it were, which to to maybe more limited success, but in a screwball comedy, you know, the antics just keep getting more and more heightened. And then, and obviously in a musical, you can't really do, you know, putting a corpse in the back of a car and just driving around the streets. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's tough. At least it's harder to do. Yeah. (laughs) You could could find a way. I don't know. You can get creative, but yes, you're absolutely right that there are, 
Yeah, and we, we've talked about this a lot, sort of, like, what are the things that are, like... And it's and it is interesting because the book for the musical is written by Patricia Resnick, who is a co-writer of this screenplay. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, it seems like because this was sort of a, it's this idea seemed to stem from Jane Fonda's brain, from yeah. what I from what I read, uh, and, of, and it seems like a very sort of collaborative effort between Fonda and uh, her the trio at the center, her Lily Tomlin, and of course Dolly Parton. Yeah. Um, I had but, read that that's who they wrote it in mind for. And then their alternates were Carol Burnett instead of Lily Tomlin and sure. Anne Margaret instead of Dolly, which I mean, I'd love to see it as well. Would have been great. <laughs> what, uh, that's a great cast. Would have loved to have seen that. <laughs> no notes. Um, yeah. But then it, it sort of, it sounds like Patricia Resnick wrote the screenplay and then uh, Colin Higgins came on and he sort of did a little bit of a rewrite. Um, and it sounds like he sort of, uh, made he he made it a little bit more antics heavy. It sounds like mm-hmm. I something that again another sort of thing I want to pin is this lovely quote uh, from Jane Fonda when she was talking about uh, a lot of the movie. Uh, the, the movie she says, "quote We took out a lot of stuff that was filmed, even stuff that the director Colin Higgins thought worked, but which I asked to have taken out. I'm just super sensitive to anything that smacks of the soapbox or lecturing the audience, which again Mm -hmm. is something that I'm going to get back to when we talk about the musical. (laughs) Yes, because I'll say, I mean, that's that is kind of like one of the successes of the film that like, yeah, it is. It is very much like a second wave feminism film. It is very much like women fighting back in the workplace, but it never really does feel like it's trying to like hit you over the head with that message it's just like it's like an embedded sort of like theme of the thing but it's just like these three women hate this guy and they want to it's like it's a classic like revenge comedy kind of thing and that's what's so fun about it and that's and it's, it's very easy to root for them in this yeah I will say it also seems intentionally with like the background characters intersectional. Like there were moments that literally had me gasping that this like broad comedy would have like a wheelchair user or, you know, sure. like people like just a, a whole host of non-white people. I was just, you know, I was very surprised, um, especially by extension, like how the musical handles a lot of things. Um, I, I was sure. just, I was surprised at what I was seeing. Classic. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, I was surprised. Um, but we yeah. gotta, we gotta create a whole brand. We gotta create some kind of like terminology for these things that we because yeah. they keep they keep coming up. One, we'll create some the kind Broadway of Broadway slide or something like <laughs> slide back into problematic. <laughs> the yeah, there's there's the flattening as we like to call it, mm-hmm. where just everything thematically narratively gets flattened out. Uh, well, stage flats. I don't know. <laughs> That's fine too. Uh, Brand, what? Actually, let's let's get into this because obviously the big the big sort of the big Christmas ghost hanging above this episode is of course <laughs> uh, Dolly Parton herself. Um, Brand, what what is sort of your thoughts? You kind of also sort of like behind the behind the scenes thing. Brand and I are rehearsed for our cabaret that's coming up. Uh, I guess this week, if you're listening to the podcast right yeah, now, Friday night, this Friday night. So we were rehearsing for that. Maybe earlier. you missed it already. Maybe you missed it already. Shame on you. Um, well, I don't know. It was, I'm sure it was a fun time um, talking to our future selves. Um, but you, you sort of alluded that you, you wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, Ms. Parton today. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that she's just, she's one of those figures that, um, 
obviously a huge icon in American sort of culture of the last 40, 50 years. Um, you know, I'm not going to give a biography. I don't know one very well. She's like, she's 75, I think. Yeah. She's from Kentucky. Um, came from like nowhere, you know, uh, was like the fourth of 12 kids or something like that. Mm-hmm. A bunch of siblings. Um, and I believe grew up singing in the church. Um, and, you know, started um, when she was pretty young and just kind of worked her way up and then has written a million songs that you've heard, including yes. 9 to 5, obviously. Um, Jolene, that's been covered to death. Uh, of course, uh, I Will Always Love You, as made most famous by Whitney Houston. But, like, I think four people have won awards for recording that <laughs> yes. song. Um, so, you know, I mean, she's a huge... And she now she owns... Uh, Dollywood, if anybody knows. I'd love to go to Dollywood. <laughs> Sounds too. like a fun time. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Me too. Why not? Kentucky's supposed to be beautiful. And, yeah. Um, where and, where in uh, Kentucky is it? Do we know? I don't know. Pigeon Forge is actually, maybe it's Tennessee. <laughs> sure. sure. Um, <laughs> what, you know what? Same thing. Same I, well, thing. I, I had some I don't, I'm just kidding. statement. Um, no, but anyway, I, I what I was alluding to earlier that Ben was talking about is that I feel like she is very much one of those sort of figures in American life where like Oprah was for a long time where they're like Dolly, she's just going to save us all. Oh, Dolly funded and made the Dolly invented the vaccine herself, you know? <laughs> and like, or that, that there was a story about her. She was like, you know, I saved this child's life on the filming of this set. And it's like, okay, did you though? I, I mean, know. did you like go, Hey, wait, there's a car passing by. <laughs> and like, I saved your life. I'm your guardian angel. Um, and she's just, you know, I don't know. It's just, I like it. She is one of those, um, like I say, sort of one of those sacred cows in American culture that I feel like gets a lot of credit for stuff um, that's maybe not deserved because, like, you know, I, I, she's she's um, she's uh, obviously very talented singer songwriter, yeah. um, but uh, maybe you waited a little too long to change that old Dixie Stampede to uh, <laughs> oh. the Dolly Stampede or whatever it was. Oh. You know, and maybe you should pay all those. I can't imagine that the amusement park workers amusement park workers at uh, Pigeon Forge. Like that's a very impoverished part of this country. Yeah. And um, she is a person with a lot of money and resources who has come there and has, you know, just made it more of an empire than uh, maybe really helping people. And so anyway, that's, that's, that's really it. Just don't, don't, you know, they're people, they're complicated people. These artists that we look up to and they can't yeah. save us though. I know. And so maybe don't, maybe don't like, you know, get a Dolly Parton tattoo. I don't care. That's great. But like, I don't know. She didn't, she didn't fix, she didn't make the coronavirus vaccine. Okay. I know it's, you know, it's and like you said, it is a complex thing when we're talking about like, again, like they are human beings, but they are also yeah. very wealthy celebrities Incredibly with, a, wealthy. with a lot of like literal power and a lot of like cultural power and capital. Mm-hmm. And it's just, yeah, it's just like, yeah, we are, they both like, they are literal people. So you shouldn't like, wish like terrible terrible things on them but also like you shouldn't hold them up to these like ridiculously high standards of like thank like thanking dolly uh for getting the vaccine like and i i understand the impulse celebrities well i mean yeah it's not like we have any other saviors out there good god um (laughs) but and it's it's interesting actually this song i think that this song is like sort of and then what last year's new interpretation of this song uh, that I don't know if you had anything written down to talk about, but like nine to five, it's like sort of thought of as this workers anthem and it's like about, you know, a new workers anthem yeah. in the eighties. And it's all about like, 
empowering yourself and fuck your boss and all this stuff. Yes. Um, and, 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 and you should. Well, don't actually fuck your boss, but also, yeah. but, but fuck your no, boss. Don't fuck your boss. Never fuck your boss, but you know, fuck your boss. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, and just to show like what a, what a hellish landscape we've really descended into was the Super Bowl commercial from last year where they, it was a Squarespace commercial and they changed it to five to nine. Yeah, and it right. was like, guess yeah. what? You just work nine to five. Keep going, baby, on that side hustle. Because oh, that's man. the only way you can possibly advance in this world is by killing yourself. Well, so now it's just nine to nine, you know, like nine to five and five to nine. Depressing. Woof. It is. It, w- it just got really dark in Chicago at like five o'clock. So maybe that's where <laughs> this is coming from. So the that's sun just set is in, gone yes. for the year. Yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not. You're not wrong. And yeah, she's again complex figure. Um, we should not worship the the gig and grind economy. Um, ha- I feel like she's the last one that's really held on in that. Yes, like, in a widespread way. You know, her, her, like her and Beyonce, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah, yes. Beyonce is in a different a different level, though. I don't know. It's not. I don't think people. I feel like people look at Beyonce as being so benevolent. Sure. Like not like yeah. Dolly's a little bit more of like a philanthropic figure, mm-hmm. I suppose. Yeah. yeah. I- Undeservedly. Sure. Um, while <laughs> while we are sort of making this detour in Dollywood, you briefly kind of alluded to it before, Bran, but we've got to talk about this. And Liz, I must ask you, have you seen Dolly Parton's Netflix musical movie, Christmas on the Square? Of course. Uh, of course. <laughs> icon, icon and Prince, Josh Segarra's in it. Sure. Um, as a priest, <laughs> a priest who I believe his wife is having fertility. There's some mm-hmm. baby stuff going on there. I can't remember it too well. I she gets all that woman gets impregnated by Dolly Parton. Okay, I remember. I recall this now. <laughs> yeah, Christine Baranski plays like the the Scrooge type character of yeah, the thing. Sure. Very I'm sure much. She's wonderful. Yeah, very much like the Grinch. Like she's in the Grinch mm-hmm. film, and then she's. I mean, I believe it was like a regional theater production. That like do- that was maybe at Dollywood or like something like that that like had been going on for years and then through the power of Parton was put onto our screens. I mean, yeah. it won an Emmy. It won an Emmy. This it sure year. did. It sure did. And I it, once again credit all of that to Icon and Himbo, Josh Segarra from the other two. <laughs> 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 uh, Himbo, Himbo, Icon pastor or whatever he was preacher to the stars josh cigara i mean uh, yeah i'll say if nothing else you are you will you will be here to boost these uh theater actors who i don't have don't know too much about but i know are, are lodged in your brain mm-hmm. <laughs> for <in> whatever <laughs> reason i mean there's what there's i mean there's a very particular one that we'll talk we that we'll oh, both talk about later. every note on my musical section of my notes pages yeah, we'll, talk, we'll talk about it we'll get to it um but yeah uh the point is as a songwriter, Dolly Parton, very good. Like, she knows how to write a bop. Excellent. Like, Absolutely. excellent. I was, mm-hmm. yeah, I will touch on this now, um, I guess. Please. I know I'm like kind of, I think that a lot of the musical is trunk songs. I think she pulled sure. some of those oh, out sure. and just said, hey, I wrote this for something else. We're just going to have these people sing them. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I think she's... I think when those songs in the musical are extremely effective, like you can tell kind of which ones were written with a little more like Dolly Parton songwriting panache versus others that were kind of like, oh, we need this guy to sing a song. Yeah, I would completely agree with that. Um, But anyway, so, and I will say, I mean, 
this is one of those wonderful shows where I would say, for the most part, they pretty much replicate the plots from the film to the musical. Like, it is truly like a beat-for-beat beat express here, which, I mean, great. Thrilled for mm-hmm. us. Does yeah. It means we don't have to do double time in a, <laughs> in, a, in a brief plot synopsis. But yeah, so we have these uh, three characters played by the wonderful trio, um, as we as we mentioned before, uh, of Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin, and Dolly Parton. Uh, so Jane Fonda is Judy. Um, she is new at this uh, office, um, consolidated companies. They they're just like, what what do they do? What is that? What is they just like? One of my things. notes. One of my notes is <laughs> what is the difference between all of their positions? Because yes. Roz, because Roz is an administrative assistant, and then Dolly Parton. Mm-hmm is an executive assistant, which mm-hmm. I, I feel like in the modern workplace, that's a lot of like, I can kind of maybe understand the slight distinction, but it also seems like Roz and Dolly don't really deal with each other all too much. No. Um, maybe it's because they yeah. all hate Dolly uh, due to their, their them supposing that she's, you know, sleeping with the boss. But um, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm really, they have thousands of secretaries. It really gave me Thoroughly Modern Millie vibes, once again, <laughs> tying it back yeah. to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> once again, it's we have to tie it back to our man, but. <laughs> yes. Um, no, it is true that it, I was getting a lot of those just like generic office vibes of just mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know, you're at, you're at a table, you're at a desk and yeah. You type and you fax and you print and, you know, an office, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, you have uh, Jane Fonda, who's new there. Um, uh, her husband, uh, she divorced her husband because the husband was cheating on Jane Fonda uh, with his secretary. You have Lily Tomlin as Violet, who's sort of the, the sort of the, the expert. She's been uh, at the company for 12 years, but, you know, because of, like, sexism and she just like hasn't been promoted even though she is very good at what she does and then you have of course dolly parton as dora lee who is uh the secretary to frank hart jr uh played by dabney coleman who's i'm just gonna say i think he's cute he he is he's that stash yeah, That's, I oh what I, a looker. Honestly. I wrote Dabney Coleman hot all caps, and yes. then also master of physical comedy, like very funny, truly masterful. I mean, I'll say we, and I will say, like from a comedic perspective, and like obviously, like uh, obviously, comedy subjective, and like everyone has different sense of humor, yada yada. I would say this is, mo- I would say for me, most of the jokes, most of the humor. I, I found most more of the physical humor funny than like th- this isn't like a, a crackling screenplay with like 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 pop in dialogue mm. like I wouldn't say that it, it is much more of a like ha- yeah like antics and like pratfalls and like silly goof em ups in that sense mm-hmm. um, and everyone mm-hmm. is super game like I'm, I mean I'll, I'll say like the main three I mean Lily Tomlin is obviously like a, a legend at this point and is like really marvelous i think jane fonda is like genuinely like kind of like underappreciated as a comic actor Mm -hmm. i think obviously like both in like real life as an activist and just like from her more dramatic roles i think it's it is kind of overlooked that hey she's pretty funny Mm -hmm. (laughs) she's like actually Mm -hmm. very funny in this movie and then i'll even say like dolly parton even though like i mean this was i believe this was her first movie someone correct me if i'm wrong but i'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure this um, she got like, like a, I don't think they even have the Golden Globe for like new star anymore, but I'm pretty sure she got that that year. It was that, at least that, I mean that that sounds about right. Yeah, this was her 
yeah, this was her first uh, film. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure this, like, shot her off into, like, ma- the mainstream mm-hmm. stratosphere. Like, obviously, like, mm-hmm. she was a musician. She was a country music singer. But, like, 9 to 5 comes out. And I'll say, just, like, sort of, like, jumping around, this movie made uh, uh, gangbusters at the box office. I mean, like, it was... It cost, like, 10 million to make, and it, like, had, like, a total gross of, like, 100 million. Wow. Like, it's... Bog... People... Listen, I guess people are like, I want to see a comedy about my my wacky days in the office. Let's do this. Um, <laughs> extremely, ever- extremely wacky days, you know. We, call, we all can relate to uh, well, everything that goes on. <laughs> well, I mean, like, the <laughs> fucking people love The Office. Like, That's true. Right? Like, everyone, That's true. I mean, I, The Office is fine, whatever. I don't know. People, it's... it's I, I've, Play it out, baby. I know. I'm just saying, I've been on... I was on dating apps in the 2010s. I know how many people mm-hmm. <laughs> liked The Office. Mm-hmm. Um, Everyone's looking for like a gym to their Pam, a Dwight to their gym. I don't know. It's all it's all happening. <laughs> um. Anyway. Um. But yeah. So yeah, I would say even Dolly, like in her first film role, pretty funny, pretty good. Like it's. I mean, she's supposed to just be like sort of like the sad, sympathetic character, sort of like the the doe-eyed secretary who. Uh, gets caught up in all this mess, and she does a great job with that. She, like, mm-hmm. as the kids like to say these days, she understood the assignments, you know? <laughs> um, a phrase I hate, but That's you know right. what? Um, yes, and then you also have these, like, side characters. Uh, Roz, who is, like, this very loyal uh, knock, essentially. She is, uh, <laughs> she'll tell Hart, like, anything that goes on. Uh, Elizabeth Wilson, very funny. She's good. She she's it's again like it's a small role. It gets it gets a little elevated in the stage version, which we'll talk about. But I think she's good here. I Um, do have a question. I actually a very brief thing to mention. Number one, Dabney Coleman was in the movie Clifford with Martin Short. Just had to bring that up. Wait, (laughs) wait, who was he? I believe he's Mary Steenburgen's boss. That comes on to her because all he can do is play creep bosses Um, I'm pretty sure that was him anyway uh, which is I love him Um, my question about the character of Roz which I kept writing you're absolutely right about Clifford but go ahead thank god Um, no that's that was my childhood film like I know that movie Um, is Roz in the film in love with Mr. Hart or is she just like a bootlicker (laughs) I think she's a bootlicker I think that element is severely played up in the stage version I'm pretty sure that's a manufactured uh, character trait for the state version. Okay. I do not. I mean, yeah, I, I watched this last night slash this morning. I do not recall any sort of like romantic angle to Ross's character. I just think, I, yeah, I think she's just a brown noser. Yeah, I, think that's I truly yeah. her character. I think she gets turned on at the prospect of like getting one up on the others and like climbing the ranks in his eyes. But I don't think she's in love with him. I mean, who wouldn't get a rise out of helping out Dabney Coleman? I'm just. I mean, what a man! <laughs> what a man! What a man! What a mighty fan, man. <laughs> Brian, whatever. Let us let us gawk over Hardy <laughs> McCartness and Dabby Coleman. The hot people's I like when he's got the collar on. Yeah, when he's in that like <laughs> as, as good in that like that collar. In the dog collar. Mm-hmm. As as the as Jade Fonda refers to it as the M M&M costume. M&M's. Yeah. yeah. M&M, that's funny. Yeah, M&M's. that's that's a good line. That's a good bit. Fabulous um, line. I also but, really like the sequence early when they when they imagine the different things they would oh, do. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. To him. Ten out of ten. 
Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it is interesting because, yeah, like, it is sort of like this weird interplay between just, like, a generic, like, office comedy and then, yeah, you have, like, sequences like that and even just, mm-hmm. like, the antics of them having... It, uh, it felt like... It felt almost like an early Seinfeld plot of them <laughs> having to, like, get this, like, corpse out of a hospital and then the, the cops, <laughs> uh, like, tracking them down and then it's not even the wrong corpse. The corpse in the uh, car really threw me. That was a scene that really, really threw me. Um, Again, it's also a, very, a proto Little Miss Sunshine kind <laughs> of thing, I suppose, too. Um, I, I will say it is a very, and like we'll talk about this in the stage adaptation too, it is a very sort of, there's a lot of top heavy antics. Like it's, you would almost imagine that like him getting poisoned and them having to like steal a corpse would be like a end of act two kind of thing, like in the screenplay, but it's <laughs> arguably like the top of act two thing. And then there's like a whole other like sequence of them, like kidnapping him and all of that, that like fills out the rest of the movie. Yeah. I, I thought it was going to be like 50, 50, because I just remembered from the musical, how long he was in like weeks and weeks he spends trapped in that room. Mm-hmm. But when it happened, I, we were, I think that was like an hour and 15 in and they were still mm-hmm. with the corpse. And I was like, when is he going to be hung up? Like, when I know. is he going to be tied up? Which is also a, a really hard thing to do. I mean, I'll say like skipping a little bit ahead, Brand, did you see when a, a local theater company in Chicago, Firebrand Theater, they did okay. nine to five a few years I ago. I did not see it. Yeah, I saw it, and like they obviously like they're 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 a lovely uh, like uh, small equity theater in Chicago, but like yeah, like they couldn't do the fucking like uh, the the mechanics of that costume and like him hanging from the ceiling. I forget exactly what the solution. I think he was literally just like bound and gagged to like a bed or a chair or something because like. That's a fucking hard thing to rig on, like, a non-Broadway budget, you know? Yeah, yeah at, like, The Den. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. I love The Den, to be clear, but they don't have a fly system. <laughs> no. Nowhere has a fly system in this city. <laughs> yeah, unless you're, like, a on major... Level. Yeah, let's say, unless you're, like, a major equity theater in the yeah. suburbs. Like, Your you're show's not cost gonna a million a... dollars if you have a fly system, like, literally. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so yeah, right again, like that, it's that, it's that kind of antics, which is like, oh, it's super fun to see in a film. Um, but again, they, I guess they had, they had Dolly money going to Broadway. So they were able to, to replicate that in the original production. Did, was she a producer on this? That's, I I don't know. I can do some real time drama. But I know she was, I've got it. I've got some stuff pulled up already. She was so extremely hands-on oh yeah which is which is kind of interesting right because again like as as i sort of stated before this kind of seemed like the brainchild of fonda uh massaged a little bit by director colin higgins um and then like dolly Parton, obviously she writes the title song and she is one of the main trio but arguably jane fonda's the lead of the three right like if you like if you really look at like the trio she's like you know she's like She's the innocent. She's like the the newbie to the to the group. So there's mm-hmm. there is an argument to be made that she is like the central of the three. But I'm I'm happy to hear uh, arguments against that. But then yeah, like it becomes like the Dolly show when you're moving ahead to the Broadway of it all. Mm-hmm. Which again, like I'm not surprised by because she's Dolly fucking Parsons. Yeah, so. she's the name. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I feel like Lily. Tomlin I don't know if I had any three as like the main one I feel like Dolly maybe gets swallowed up a little 
Um, I, I felt like Lily Tomlin felt very at the forefront. And then I think the musical translation, like that's the money, right? Like that's Alice and Janney. Like that's the name. Um, but, uh, yeah. I guess Alison, Alison Janney is the, the Broadway (laughs) Lily Tomlin of the late 2000s, I guess. Sure. As long as you're not, <laughs> as long as Lily Tomlin is not included in the Lily Tomlin. <laughs> Broadway. That's fair. Yeah. It doesn't look like she was a producer on the project. No, I think she just That's wrote surprising. on it. Surprising. Yeah. It is, it is genuinely very surprising. But I bet she's, I mean, but I mean, it might have been the, what, nine Dolly Parton songs or yeah. something? 12 songs. I think she's the only somewhere. credited songwriter on it. Like, I yeah. was trying to see if she oh, co yeah. wrote it with anyone. No, no, no. It's all Somebody her. Somebody probably gave her the advice long ago like, don't invest in a Broadway play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cameron McIntosh is attached. Or <laughs> right? I mean, Did they make a lot of money? I mean, we're going to get there. Well, I'm sorry. we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about how uh, non successful this show was. Yeah. Uh, a very unsuccessful show. So but a yeah. smart move on her part. Oh, but yeah, so yeah, like we so kind of skipped it. Let's go back. Yeah, there's this very fun fantasy sequence where they're getting high. Um, fun tidbit, fun aside, um, then President Ronald Reagan said he was a very big fan of this film, but he said the one scene he hated was the three girls. Oh so, I mean, you can see where this is going. The three girls, he's like, I wish they were just drinking beer, but no, they had to promote pot smoking. The kids could have seen that movie. And it's like, whatever, go fucking do anything else. I also love how... It's rated R. No, oh, it got no. It, it had PG, to, then. had to be PG because there was no PG thirteen, so I'm, I'm pretty sure it was really yeah. PG. Yeah, I love how the son gives her the pot. Like I love it's like, mom, yeah. you gotta relax. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's yeah, listen. It's a fun. It's a fun little scene of three of three women smoking pot, talking about how they want to kill their boss. It's we love that. We love to see. There's that. whole sitcoms based on that. It is now. Honestly. like truly. <laughs> well, they did. There was a sitcom. There was a sitcom. There of was a Nine sitcom based on exactly this premise. Oh That's my true. god! Yeah, with uh, I forget who was in it. It's some some folks are in it. We can look at that later. But yeah, so you have these three sequences. Essentially, uh, uh, J- Judy has the sequence of just like an angry mob chasing down hearts. Uh, Doralee has the sequence where she is a, she's a cow a cowgirl lassoing hard mm-hmm. and then of course Violet uh, is Snow White with a bunch of uh, in my estimation shoddily animated animals <laughs> uh, I'm, like, that, that, I'm like you animated these on the twos I see great good on you um, it looks cute well, and like the Snow White costume chef's kiss love that for her um and uh, yeah, and then po- poisoning uh, heart, and it's a very fun sequence. Again, like it's it gives a little bit of wackiness to this movie, which is which is fun, which is good, um, and it's handled pretty well. Colin Higgins, who I believe this was his directorial debut, wow, but he but he had written the film. Har- Actually, no, I'm gonna immediately say that I'm lying. <laughs> uh, he directed a film two years before this called uh, Foul Play which is a film he wrote and directed with Goldie Horn and Chevy Chase. Hmm. Anyone? Foul play? Interesting. Great. Love it. Uh, but then he directed 9 to 5. Uh, but he'd also famously written the screenplay for the film Harold and Maud, the Hal Ashby film Harold and Maud. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, again, like he's a, he's got a very twisted, acerbic 
uh, sense of humor and writing style, which I think really, honestly, yeah, again, it suits the material. It takes, it keeps it from being, yeah, like what Jane Fonda didn't want, which was like a preachy office film. She wanted like a film that had, I'm just repeating myself, but it's worth repeating that uh, a wacky film about these themes rather than a, a movie that's like yelling at you about mm. this stuff. Um, Colin Higgins would only go on to direct uh, one more film, and that would be The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Huh. Um, yeah. Also starring Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, it's because it's he, he, he died. A better musical? Uh, well, mm, I, actually, I don't know it well enough to d- agree or disagree with you. Um, <laughs> yeah. But probably. Um, he, yeah, Me neither. He actually, he, he died uh, pretty young, actually, Colin Higgins. He, he died like... Eight years after this movie was uh, was made, um, which is which is sad because he's clearly a fun guy and he made some fun movies. Um, yeah. But uh, but then yeah, after that we get again sort of more antics. They think that they poisoned him with rat poison in his coffee. Um, we get this whole corpse chasing sequence. It's a mess. Um, a lot going on there. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of business. There's a lot of business in this thing. So and much, then, so much, just like talking and and, and consternation <laughs> and just like what is mm-hmm. happening. Like I thought it would be just way more laughs, and it was just like hushed tones, speaking and, and planning. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's just like, oh, we got to get the corpse. Oh, it wasn't the corpse. We're back at the office. Roz overheard them talking about the thing. She tells Hart. Hart tells Dorley. Jane Fonda tries to shoot. Hard. It's just it's it is really just jumping from set piece to set mm-hmm. piece. Like I it's is it the best comedy in the world? No. Um but again, like I appreciate sort of just the I do, I appreciate the manic uh energy it's riding on. And again, like I'll I'll say, especially for like um like Again, 1980, this is, like, on the forefront of shit like Revenge of the Nerds and Porky's and, like, the Police Academy movies, mm-hmm. which are, like, you know, and, like, obviously shit like the, like Ivan Reitman comedies and, like, all of this, like, male-centric comedy. So it is, like, it is, like, genuinely great to, like, have this movie which has that same, like, level of energy, that level of antics, and it to be, like led by these three wonderful female mm-hmm. actors. So I think that's wonderful. And the building of it makes sense. Like, I, I feel that's sorely missing in the musical. Like, even though I have issues with the corpse in the trunk. I don't know why I have issues with it. I just thought it was ridiculous. <laughs> but, like, well, <laughs> I don't really have a problem. Well, well, think of that poor corpse. It's been stolen. I know. A lot of... What, the, what did they end up doing? Did they return it? <laughs> yeah. I think they just return it. I hope so. Oh my God. But like, but that heightening makes sense where like, they feel like at the end, they just have to tie up this man in his house for weeks because that's kind of, it just keeps building from plotting to corpse and car to, you know, locking him up. Yes. Um, it is also very funny. So and essentially this builds to this place where, yeah, they, they kidnap hearts. They lock him in this, like, again, essentially like a bondage outfit, uh, tying him to the ceiling. Yeah. Um, he's watching days of our lives <laughs> and reading about days of our lives in magazines. Well, Listen, I also, it's, it's <laughs> an I important love... piece of television. It is. <laughs> I love like the earlier scene where Lily Tomlin is installing the like the garage door opener. She's like, "Look at me, a woman installing this garage door opener." And then later, and then later on, it comes back because it's like, "Oh, look what they've strung them up with." What would you know? It's a garage door opener. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
the Chekhov's garage door opener. <laughs> mm-hmm. We love it. We do. We love a good setup. Setup payoff. Um, then yeah, I mean, it, essentially, like that's kind of where like the they they send Roz off to France just to like get her the fuck out of the way. That is hysterical. Uh, to it's me. fun. That is such it's, a fun bit of business. It is, and then like her come her coming back at the end of the movie with like a little French flag in her hat. <laughs> Literally, she has the final line of the movie where she says "Holy merit. <laughs> Great, thrilled for you, Roz. <laughs> um, and they essentially just like fix the company. Like while he's out, they're just like they're like doing it in his name, but they get like a daycare center. They like e- they create equal pay for everyone in the company, flexible hours. Um, a, fl- a job sharing program so people can work parts like they fix the company and then of course what happens is Hart is able to escape he comes back uh, and the chairman of the board um, thinks that uh, ridiculous a ridiculous character um, he looks like Colonel Sanders he looks like the, the KFC Colonel Sanders <laughs> Um, and he's credit he's credited in the film as chairman chairman of the board, That's which hysterical. is also wild. For me. Sterling Hayden is the actor, um, but oh, he's known as oh, of course, he's General Ripper in Doctor Strangelove. Oh, if you, okay, if you've seen that movie, yes. But obviously, this is uh, like almost twenty years after that. But yeah, it's, it's that actor, um, and he like congratulates Frank and all the great work he's done. And as a reward, he's going to send him to Brazil. Um, so he still gets to climb the corporate ladder, but hey, at least they're not all working in the same office anymore. Uh, bye-bye, and then you get, like, a classic, like, freeze-frame ending of the three of them, and they're like, uh, Viola got promoted. Uh, Dolly became a, a country singer named Dolly Parton. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't actually say that, but you know what I mean. Um, I think J- Judy gets remarried or something. Uh, I, f- I forget. So she gets she gets a nice little ending, right? Um, and yeah, and there's this whole thing where like the husband like tries to come back, um, and she's like, "Hit the road, Buster. This is where you get off." Um, yeah, she marries she marries a, a Xerox representative. Oh. Is what her her happy ending is. I did write down the husband's name is Dick, which is the ex-husband's name, which is mined for content in the uh, in the musical. That is like the laugh. Um, He comes, he returns, and I thought it was from the sea because he truly was dressed like an old timey sea captain (laughs) emerging at the house. (laughs) Most of my notes are about the costumes. The costumes are just insane. There's some really, there's some really wild costumes. Uh, He did look. He does look like he just walked off the set of Altman's Popeye and just like. (laughs) What I, mean, I think this was around the same time. It, it makes dramaturgical sense. Um, I don't know, but yes, you are right. The costumes are kind of bananas. A lot of fun prints. A lot of fun, uh, mm-hmm. just like bright, vibrant colors in this thing. Um, the eighties, the early eighties, folks. Some pretty big hair too. Yeah, real good hair. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, like I said, this this movie was a massive hit. It's uh. The, the song itself, uh, 9 to 5, won uh, heaps of awards. Uh, it won uh, the Grammy Award. It won two Grammys for Best Female Country Vocal Performance and Best Country Song. It was nominated for, it was nominated for Original Song. Uh, Dolly was nominated for Best Actress at the Golden Globes and Best New Star. She didn't win Best New Star. 
uh, at those at those awards. Um, Who did? It's, you know what? As I as I tend to say, this is a show that loves questions, <laughs> uh, and so we're going to answer that. Uh, Nastasia Kinski in a movie called Tess. So there you go. Great. Well, Great. Congrats. <laughs> a well deserved. Clearly. Um, oh, um, wait. Yes, no, that is correct. Um, but yeah, but I mean, this award would also be discontinued like two years later. So yeah. whatever. Probably out of shame because Dolly didn't win. They probably were exactly. Have to, yeah. It also did get a Writers Guild nomination for Best Written Comedy. So good I'm- on them. Um, but, and then, yeah, of course, as we alluded to, uh, they did make a TV series of it that ran, I mean, it ran for for five seasons. Um, so there you go. There you go. Wow. Starred, starred Rita Moreno and oh, Sally, Sally Struthers. Uh, Jeffrey Tambo is in there. Um, oh, boy. Nine to five seasons, huh? You know, know. this is why we pay, this is why we pay you the big bucks. (laughs) (laughs) Truly, truly. Um, He was on at nine Eastern. I don't know. Hey, hey, hey. I mean, as, as with many of these things, there've been so many uh, threats to make a sequel to it. Um, I don't say rumors, I say threats. (laughs) Um, As with anything these days, I think uh, 2018, Dolly was like, yeah, we're going to do a modern day sequel. And uh, no, no, thank you. Um, but October 2019, Dolly announced the sequel had been dropped. Um, and let's keep it that way. Let's feed it some rat poison and let's <laughs> never speak of it uh, again. But yeah, any other any other sort of thoughts on just 9 to 5, just like as a movie before we delve into its musical adaptation? And if not, that's fine. Like, I I mean, that's the thing. It's like, there isn't a lot to talk about. I was just like, this is fun. Like, I would, I would Mm -hmm. watch this again. I wouldn't watch this again immediately, but I'd certainly watch it again. Like, there's some, there's some fun stuff happening in it. I think the I miss antic filled movies like this. We don't get get very much physical comedy anymore at all. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the love between the three of them. I mean, I just saw that uh, Dolly is going to be on the final season of um, what is their show called? Grace and Frankie. Yes. They're having like a nine to five reunion. Oh, that's fun. That's cute. I think the love between the three of them is real. Like I was watching some of the bloopers and it just seems like they had a blast and a half of a time cranking this thing out. Um, Yeah. yeah, I, I think it's like a sweet little lightly funny, you know, zany comedy. Hell yeah. Um, and of course, as I asked at the top of this question, can a zany comedy be adapted into a piece of Broadway musical theater? Uh, survey says, not really. Um, but nope. so, <laughs> nine to five. <laughs> not this one, anyway. Not, not, yeah, not this sure. one. I mean, because, Bren, I was thinking about this. Because, I mean, like, I'm thinking about, and, like, obviously, I'm specifically thinking about, uh, like, I mean, there are obviously wacky musical comedies. Like, that's not... It's not like those don't exist, per se. I'm talking about, like, when a wacky film is adapted. Uh, I mean, the closest, I suppose, is The Producers... And even that injects a little bit of earnestness into the yeah. the, the Max and Leo relationship. Yeah. Um, but uh, obviously, like, Beetlejuice, we don't talk about Beetlejuice. No, um, we do not. <laughs> yeah, Brent, Liz, Liz is, a, is a good person because she agrees that Beetlejuice is garbage. Um, <laughs> not everyone does. Uh, well, the juice is loose on Broadway again as we speak. It's, so. it's coming. It's crawling back. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, like, obviously, head, uh, hairspray, we had a whole fucking conversation about sort of how hairspray yeah. was turned into, like, a wacky John Waters comedy into an earnest, uh, highly problematic, in our estimation, <laughs> uh, piece of musical theatre. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, uh, we don't we don't talk about Evil Dead. We don't. We just don't. Did um, not work out there. No. Um. Yeah. Like I'll say, like it's it's hard, nigh impossible, for a wacky comedy to to come to the stage and and to keep its wackiness. I suppose that's well. And I think that so many of these thrive on how like. Uh, tight they are, sure. you know, and like musicals really have a problem with that, and not just in length. I just mean in like not just ha- getting a lot of bloat, yeah, like adding like a B plot that's like got all this stuff, and maybe even I mean this one has like a third kind of couple with the Ross and uh, I almost said Ross Joe, and Ross and <laughs> Joe, the Ross and Boss, like or Joe, yeah, yeah, uh, jo- Joe, oh. Joe is a uh, Violet's person, yeah. Was that what? And was I... it? Was it Andy Cole? It's Andy Cole, right? So, he keeps I, coming I back. I on my rant. <laughs> I didn't go. No, I'd go on my rant this early, but um, that <laughs> character makes this show abhorrent. Uh, yeah. What? No it, point. Why would you I, I add? You keep adding these, they, both for him and for Roz, you're adding these, like, romantic relationships where they need not to be inserted. Well, the thing about this, the movie, is most of the movie is built on these three women bonding. They're shedding preconceived notions of each other. They're they're forging this bond through, like, zany antics. And then Andy Carl's role is, like, actively taking away stage time from those women bonding and having those moments. Yes. And, like, it also feels like because Hart is just such an insufferable tool that they're basically, he's an insert character to be like, but not all men are bad. Like, guys are sure. good. And yeah. it's just, like, su- it's such a disgusting character. Like, I-, I-, I don't know. I mean, he's not, like, openly offensive. But at one point, he also, like, tells Hart, he's like, Oh, if I didn't have need this job, I'd and I'm like, why are you threatening him? It's about those women. I'm like, step yeah. back, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> we don't. We, we don't need your. Thing. Yeah, we don't need your allyship yeah. in this situation. <laughs> Ridiculous. <Andy. laughs> I also appreciate you calling it. Why does Andy Cole keep popping up on this fucking podcast? He's gonna show up again when we talk about Rocky. He's it's just... been in so many, and like, uh, I mean, so many, when yeah. I, he should. All right, I'm gonna say he should fire his agents. Like, I, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, like I, I saw him in Pretty Woman. I, I've seen him in a lot right. of these He's shows. I, in his whole IBDB, I was like, oh my god, I've seen so many of these, and each and every one, not good. And, like, he's a good actor. Yes. And he's got a lovely voice. Like, it's not like, it's not him. It is, yeah, it's just like, I mean, but also this. No, it's either characters like this that are, like, extraneous and just, like, dragging down, like you said, stage time. Or, like, Pretty Woman, it's just, like, the most wooden, boring interpretations of, like, kind of thinly drawn you know, it wasn't like that character in the movie's so good. It's Richard Gere is what people came for, you yeah. know, and they can't like write Richard Gere <laughs> on, on stage. So it just is like a boring ass rom com right. guy. Exactly. I don't know. And I mean, and that's also, yeah, I mean, I guess maybe that's just those are the only projects that really exist. And it's like Andy Cole yeah. clearly is at a place well, for the most part, for the most part. Yeah. Like, at, at this level, at least, right? Like Andy yeah. Cole, like again, I'm, this is all speculative, but it's like, you're like, he's been a Broadway leading man. 
so many times that it's like, if he's not getting offered Broadway leading man roles, then he's going to go the way of, like, Leslie Odom Jr. and, like, Cynthia Erivo and just be like, I don't give a shit about Broadway. I'm going to, like, make the jump to movies, make the jump to yeah. TV. I mean, that's what happens with most Broadway actors. It's like, well, why don't we see them on Broadway? It's like, because they're not getting offered good parts, so they're going it sucks to... over there. Yeah. And it doesn't pay near as much. <laughs> exactly, yeah. As Nathan Lane said a few months ago, I wish you all the luck with that Broadway thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I missed that. That's such oh, a good Oh, yeah. Quote. It was amazing. He was, on, he was on Seth Meyers, and uh, you can, if you want to, I can send you the clip, and you can just insert it in here. There was a real dark spot there for Broadway, and then last night, a, a lot of openings. I know. Were I, you out and about? Did you go see anything? Did you talk to friends who were on stage? <laughs> Oh, you're talking to Kristen Chenoweth? <laughs> no, I wasn't out and about. <laughs> no, I don't. No, I'm. I'm not going into a theater with 1,200 people. <laughs> Are you nuts? <laughs> Who knows where they've been? <laughs> I wish you all a lot of luck with that Broadway thing. <laughs> no, no. Great. Um, good, good guy, Nathan Lane. Well, I don't know. Whatever. Um, but yeah, and like we don't, we don't always talk about like the production elements of this thing. Like you know, we usually talk about just like the script, but also like it truly is kind of like a they try to cram as much of that original movie into this stage show as possible. And I would argue it's fairly successful. I mean, like I, I think it's sure. I think that the the script, like the book, is pretty tight because it's clear it's the same person translating it and it's, it, yeah. it made me think a lot about like Tina Fey with Mean Girls that I think is just an unsuccessful translation and Very I think so. one of one of the differences I think is because 9 to 5 doesn't really have thousands of iconic lines that are made printed on t-shirts right so exactly the, so the translation is much easier because it's just a generally softly funny movie that then translates to a fairly okay and, and humorous musical yeah so now Liz it must also be said that you when we were initially talking about having you on the on the on the podcast, you sent a list. You sent an extensive list yes. of like of the shows to talk about, and this was in like your like I would love to talk about this. There was a list. It was a list with sections. Yeah, um, uh, but yeah, and this were... was in. I think this was like in the section that was like I would love to talk about this. I have so much to say. Yeah. Why? Uh, why? why? Ex ex explain yourself. Um, I mean, okay, so... Sounds so ac accusatory. <laughs> yeah, it's like, explain, Liz. Um, I, I am. I'm, I am curious. So I think... So I saw it in eighth grade with my aunt. And right. my aunt would take me to see musicals all the time. She still does. We go see shows. It's fabulous. A lovely woman. And um, I just have so many memories specifically of going to see this musical that I, I just remember like the staging so well. I remember elements of it, you know, so well. Um, I wanted to meet Alice and Janney at the stage door because I loved Juno. I waited and waited. I met every other person in the cast, but Alice and Janney, uh, oh. including, <laughs> but like people I came to love more like Stephanie J. Block and Megan mm -hmm. Hilty. Mm -hmm. I have a tragic photo with sure. Stephanie J. Block that I sent to Ben. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then I met Stephanie J. Block just in like, just before the pandemic, early 2020. And I showed her that photo and she went, oh, like you're looking unfortunate in that photo. <laughs> and I said, I know. <laughs> I was like, I know. Thank you, Steph. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just like had... I feel like I pulled away from this musical. This was one of the tipping points for me with my love of musicals where I went home, I looked everyone up, I looked up their entire, mm -hmm. you know, history. And I really 
internalize the show for whatever reason. I get that. I could see that. I mean, it's again, like there is even a bad Dolly Parton song is still like catchy to an extent, you know, like even the worst songs in this show are just like, all right. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. not, Still move. Yeah, I'm I'm not hurt by this thing. Uh, But it is also wild that, like, in the touring production of the show, and the West End production of the show, and the licensed production of the show, it it opens with a video of Dolly Parton talking to the audience. I've seen it. (laughs) I have seen that video. I saw a high school production. I saw a high school production, and it really looked like Big Brother coming down from a large screen. In this big, high school big dolly <laughs> yeah yes. also big titty dolly the west end version removed well it's part is, of our iconography <laughs> i know <laughs> the west end version removed what i actually think is a weak part of the show is the three pop songs i really yes don't they think did. those songs work um i i, I really don't no. think those songs work i think it's amazing like a visual they're visual homages like in the film to kind of like other styles and they just yeah. don't translate on a stage and they especially don't. when no. i saw it in eighth grade like i knew what pot was like i knew what getting high was but i don't think i fully conceptualized that they were like pot induced dream sequences and so right. watching them i was like what is this like this just i don't know sinks that part yeah of the show they replaced me. it they replaced it with a just a number called hey boss they kind of just like condensed it all down which is also a bad it's... number but I, yes, I listened exactly. to it yesterday. well <laughs> yes i was like let me hear it it's like a, that's a classic like medium problem Absolutely. you know what i mean like those those little cutaways like that take five seconds in a film where because we can just immediately cut there but any sort of change in location or even change in just music and a prop you know you still have some bars of transitioning with the music or where i don't know maybe they if they could rework it to just be smoother and just through dance or yeah. something but yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. it's think a, yes, a quicker montage yeah like not three full two minute like they're like two and a half minutes each i know three it's minutes. very yeah, long. It's take, too long and again because you because st- you still have like the corpse nonsense to deal with mm-hmm. yeah right that's just so you got the corpse nonsense you've got a new added love song that Roz sings about frank hart like there's just so so much to get yeah. through. She gets to play the accordion in the second act. That's fun. <laughs> I don't know. She was played by uh, Veronica Garza uh, in the Firebrand production here. And like she's wonderful. And she did a great job with that character. Even though that character is just like not. It's just like no reason to sort of like do that. But whatever. Um, yeah. So as you alluded to, uh, Liz, Megan Hilty. Uh, took on the Dolly role, uh, smashes Megan Hilty, um, of course, uh, before before NBC uh, snatched her up for Smash. Um, <laughs> what is she up to these days, Megan Hilty? Is she just vibing? Is she just chilling? She has someone running her Twitter and is insufferable. Like Great. truly, it's always like, what movie did <laughs> what movie did y'all watch this weekend? It, it's just like it's so Ugh. clear that it's like a team, and <laughs> I don't know why. Like, why is that happening? Uh, yeah, yeah, very bizarre. But, but then, of course, uh, Stephanie J. Block plays the Jane Fonda role. Um, a legend, uh, one of our finest 
stage actors um, to best. this day. Um, mm-hmm. Honestly, uh, I, I I would like to think that she actually won a Tony for her role in Falsettos. Um, I refuse to acknowledge that she won for the Cher show. That's just, I, <laughs> I refuse to say that that is what she won a major award for. Yeah, we could talk off pod about my visceral reaction to the Cher show. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's visceral. Listen, I mean, whenever, whenever we do our spin-off podcast jukebox <laughs> of the musical, then we can <laughs> then we can dig into oh the share show. I will say, yeah, I actually I gotta give it to Dolly for not doing that with this show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, sure. whether they're trunk songs that are reworked or not, she, her songwriting catalog is like varied enough that with just a little like. There could have been a Christmas sequence and you could do my personal favorite Dolly song, Hard Candy Christmas, sure. for the Christmas number. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, oh, yeah, that you she, could find a way to get Jolene in there. That she didn't there. do like a jukebox. For, like she didn't like jukebox yeah. the hell out of this thing. Yeah. yeah. That, is, that is trying like, I think there is, I mean, it's, it's kind of the Tina Fey problem where I kind of wish that Tina Fey and Jeff Richmond had just written an original musical. At, sure. Yeah. Always. And like, and I, so like I wish Dolly Parton could have yeah. just like, written a non a musical not based on a pre-existing franchise yeah. yeah but yeah i mean you're you're absolutely right like i, I you got to you got to hand it to her like she wrote a whole dang original score for this show mm-hmm. um, a little bit of artistic integrity there you know oh yeah it's so fun there was someone uh, ten- semi-tangential. Uh, someone was yelling about that uh Willy Wonka movie that's coming out with our mm-hmm. buddy Timmy Timmy Chalamet yeah. um with Twonka <laughs> Twon- yes, as the kids Twonka. call it, Twonka. <laughs> um, but yeah, and there was like that, like nineteen seconds, like clip of like someone filming them shooting it from a distance, mm-hmm. um, and it's like, and everyone was judging the movie based yeah, off great. of that because of the, the world and discourse is broken. <laughs> um, and and so the songs for the movie are being written by Neil Hannon. Um, and I don't know if either of you all know who Neil Hannon is. He's the lead mm-hmm. singer of a band called The Divine Comedy. Um, and he's a very good songwriter and he's a very good singer. And I'm, and I'm again, I don't know anything about this movie, but I think it's fun. And someone was like, oh, don't you hate it that they never get musical theater writers uh, to write uh, musical theater songs? And I'm like, no, because musical theater writers aren't very good these days. No. <laughs> they, write, they, write in like, they write in like the Tom Kitt, Pasek and Paul style where everything is just like... Sondheim's not going to write the Wonka movie musical. <laughs> Like, you know, you're not going to get who you want. No, but what I'm saying, but I'm saying that, like, you know, folks like Neil Hannah or, like, folks like uh, uh, Anais Mitchell and, uh, like, uh, you know, uh, usually people from the non-musical theater world write more interesting musical theater scores than, like, quote-unquote musical theater writers. Like, Mm -hmm. I I don't know. That's, That's me saying that I'm fine with pop songwriters doing this shit. Um, it'd be it's like the guy from the National writing uh, the Cyrano uh, the movie. Cyrano yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, speaking of hottie, Peter Dinklage. My gosh. Oh my god, that movie looks so good. Another, <laughs> another hot. I hope it's great. Another yes. hot man. <laughs> I know Joe Wright's getting out of like demented woman in the window modes, going back into like Anna, <laughs> Anna Karenina modes. Like I'm all mm-hmm. about it. Um, mm-hmm. Speaking of cuties. We got to talk about our main man, uh, Liz and I's main man. Uh, so who is the who is the Dabney Coleman of the late <laughs> 2000s on Broadway? Uh, of course, 
Uh, it's Mark Cutish. Oh um, my god. <laughs> the the hottest baritone around. Um, I so for context, a few weeks ago I was tweeting that I had seen a hot baritone on the subway. And Ben texted me. I was like, I was like, oh, is, is Liz Thirst tweeting about Mark Kudich? And I said, no, but I historically have. Um, yes. What a man. He is gorgeous in this. He comes out shirtless at the end. Uh, and I think I fainted in my seat as a child. <laughs> um, I, saw, so I, I, told you, I saw him in the glorious ones. Okay. Uh, off Broadway, if you know that show. Yeah, I, I'm flag. vaguely familiar, yeah. Yes. And I mean, like... I just I want him to have the yeah. best career and like seeing him in a leading role, just like seeing the hell out of a, a pretty decent Darrenson Flaherty score was like for, for teenage me, just like undeniable. Again, like a, <laughs> a christening experience. Yeah. Um I, I saw him in Hand to God. Career. He was like a, a priest, I think. Yes, he and was. I, I saw him in Girl from the North Country, which once again another thing we could talk about off pod. Uh, <laughs> Yes. But uh, yeah, fantastic. He plays the He's drums like, in Girl from the North Country, I believe. I think they got him up on the drum kit. Uh, oh, he man. <laughs> I I know. There's a lot of complicated feelings about that show. I I, I like it. I like that show. I'm sorry. I'm, I okay. know people don't like that show. We I can like agree to lot. disagree, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, Mark Yudish, who just... I mean, Bren, I, did you, were you able to listen to the Broadway recording of 9 to 5? Uh... I did not listen to it a ton. I've, I've moved through it, but however, I'm very familiar with his uh, work on, in Thoroughly Modern oh, Millie because yes, I played Trevor knows. Graydon. Another another boss. He's great another, in that too. He's just, he's just, again, like yeah. uh, one of the few remaining like distinctive non-tenors in the musical yeah. theater realm. He's just got such a beautiful, rich voice. I love him a lot. Um, he's also, of course, on the revival Assassin's recording um oh yeah uh, also rocks a great mustache much like uh your other guy uh, like dabney he is yeah he is the heir apparent of of dabney coleman i i really i wrote multiple times i don't this casting was to me perfect i think yeah i, I think yeah. alice and jenny i i don't love how they rewrote that role as kind of like being older or like some type of matriarch to the other two i mean lily and jane are one year apart so the fact sure. that, that she keeps saying yeah. like i am old i'm like well okay um well, I think, it's it's the constant having to like take the themes of the thing and completely broaden them and, and yeah. wow them mm-hmm. out for a for a broadway mm-hmm. stage yeah but i think i think mark is pitch perfect casting i think his song uh when he's tied up it's Which always, they a, cut. always a woman they Which cut they, it they've cut it for oh. future productions yeah that, that one to me like that was fun to me because i mean theming is whatever of that song and it's you know whatever but um because it's stylistically <laughs> very different like it's kind of like yeah. this like rock kind of thing um yeah, I did like that one. Well, so when they took it on tour, the tour was taken over by Jeff Cal because Joe Mantello, um, one of five directors who's allowed to direct a musical on Broadway, <laughs> uh, directed this thing. Um, but uh, Jeff Calhoun took over as the director and choreographer for the tour, uh, which had Deanna DeGarmo in the tour. Okay. Um, who knew? Um, but as Calhoun, so they, as Calhoun said, he believed that quote a short show is a happy show. 
We have jettisoned a second act song for Heart, repositioned Ross's song in Act One, and tried to make invisible cuts to the book. Okay. Um, which again, Bran. Oh, yeah. I was gonna say, Bran, you love uh, that's your mantra. I really appreciate that sentiment. <laughs> yes, a short show is a happy show. Uh, you should mm-hmm. you should get that tattooed on the back of your neck. It's like we all forgot the old show showbiz adage of leave them wanting more. <laughs> nope. You gotta stuff this stuff thing. Stuff them. Yes. <laughs> stuff it down their fucking throat. You gotta. They choke on it. Yeah. You gotta. I mean, I think I wrote in my notes this is undeniably the Broadway musical version of Nine to Five. <laughs> it's true. Like, like there isn't yep. there isn't really uh there's not a lot more to say on right? I mean it's like it's like outside of like fucking giving a love interest to Violet, um, giving uh Roz a romantic interest in hearts. I'd say the big thing, and again, this is tying back to that soapbox comments that Jane Fonda made when talking about the movie, you know. Judy, played by Stephanie J. Block has maybe, like, the most memorable original song in this show, which is Get Out and Stay Out. Fantastic. Um, great song, great uh, highlight for that actor in whatever mm-hmm. production. Uh, it's got a p- big, wonderful power ballad about a woman yelling at a man to get the fuck out. But again, like, it's... It just, it completely changes the tone of the show, right? It's like, it it truly... And, like, and not, it's... Outside of the context of 9 to 5, the musical, it's a great song. It's a great piece of, like, female empowerment. But within the show, it's doing, for my money, it's doing everything that Jane Fonda didn't want in the original 9 to 5, right? It's it's sort of making it, uh, and, and I'd say, like, even, like, other parts of it, it's just, like, it just sort of turns it into sort of like, oh, this is a show with a message, and this is a show with like an earnest stance on <clears throat> on sort of the things that we're talking about here. Yeah, I think they gave all three women uh, intense arcs in this. I think in yes. the movie, they're all a little bit more middling, and they're all just kind of like, you know, just trying to get through their stuff, and they want certain things, and they get certain things, and and this is like each woman has a mission. Like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like yeah. Alison Janney wants to be promoted. Uh, you know, Megan Hilty wants to be seen as, you know, serious and not just a blonde backwoods Barbie or whatever. And then, mm-hmm. you know, with Stephanie J. Block, it's like she wants to be an independent, you know, woman. Um, that song is doing so much heavy lifting. I was, I put, I literally made a list of the songs I thought were trunk songs. I think that one is, <laughs> I think that one is on the fence. Um, cause I think it, I think it kind of cribs like dialogue from the movie. Um, but I also would not be surprised if it was a, a trunk song. Yeah. Um, what else? So of course this musical, uh, came out in 2009. It opened like in the spring of 2009. It closed in December of 2009. Uh, didn't do well. Didn't do great. Um, it was a, oh God, we have, we have, we have talked about this Tony Awards season before. Because, of course, this was our debut episode, Brian, uh, where we talked about Shrek. This was the Shrek season. Um, yes. So, of course. The, and we'll talk about it again. I love Shrek. We, well, Shrek's a musical. And certainly I that, can't deny that. Shrek. <laughs> well, well, I'm sure you loved our first episode too, Liz. Um, <laughs> I did. <laughs> well, great. So, of course, the nominees were Shrek, Rock of Ages, Next to Normal, and whenever we get to it, Billy Elliot. Um, a, f- a show that I feel like has just completely vanished from the culture. Yeah, and we'll, totally. We'll, what happened? I, I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about we'll, it uh, one we'll day. We'll investigate it. We'll figure it, it out. You know what? 
just preemptively, pretty good musical. We'll talk about it. The Maggie Thatcher uh, song, Oboe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Maggie Thatcher fucking sucks. Not afraid to say it on mic. Um, <laughs> what was I going to say? Um, Alison Janney did win a Drama Desk Award for Best Actress in a Musical for That's this show. wild. Um, she was nominated for uh, the best for lead actress in this show and lost to uh, the wonderfully uh, unproblematic Alice Ripley in Next to Normal. That's all right. I'll say on the matter there. Oh boy. Um, Mark Hudish was nominated. He lost to Greg Jabara, Billy okay. Elliott. Okay. In, everyone thought Chris Sieber was going to get it for Shrek. He did not. Nope. Snubbed. Only, it's, it is kind of wild. Allison Janney was the only one of the trio to get nominated. Like, neither of them were nominated in the supporting category. Megan Hilty and SJB were very much, like, coast. Like, I, I didn't know about Stephanie J. Bach before the show, and I knew many of Was this, this, I mean, this was post-Pirate Queen, right? I think it, it was. It was post yes. her stint in Wicked. It was, I think, post-Pirate Queen, which, of course, yes. I did not see. Um, I think Megan Hilty only had, like, one or two credits before this on Broadway. Like, I think she, she did was, Wicked. Uh, she was, yeah, she did Wicked, of yeah. course. Um, but so Dolly did get a Tony nomination for Music and Lyrics, of course, also losing to uh, Tom Kitt and Brian Yorkey uh, in the news with their... Another musical which we'll have to talk about at some point, The Visitor. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know when we're gonna talk about it, Brand. I don't know how much you know about what's happening with the visitor right now. Uh, no, it's, you know what? Is it wacky? Stay is out of wacky it. Going on? Stay out of is it. Is someone visiting? You know what? We'll have an episode. On it. We'll talk <laughs> okay, about it. Will yes. you though? Because I that, that show is gonna be scrubbed from the record. Well, I mean, like it's a musical based on a movie, and by the laws of this podcast, we have to talk about it. Um. And then I'm I'm pretty sure that's like all nine to five got nominated for. It really oh no, it got nominated for choreography as well, but lost to okay. Billy Elliot. Um it yeah, it really yeah. it sorta of just came and went. Which Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's I feel like the late two thousand the mid to late two thousands, like movie musicals you know this is like legally blonde era this is uh sort a of glut that, of them yes there was that truly a glut like four of year them. period yeah um and now we're sort of back in there you know we got uh mm-hmm. we got we got doubtfire we've got uh the notebook's gonna be here in chicago in a few months uh Great. we gotta see it Brian, we got yeah, it. Yeah, we, we should go. We gotta see it. Devil Wears uh, Prada's coming to Chicago at some Devil point, too. Devil sure is, yeah. You know, and then we'll, and it's going to Broadway. When they announced Devil Wears Prada, I actually thought the perfect choice would have been Alice and Janney for the Merrill role. And sure. I multiple times said that. I I love Miss Beth, but uh, I don't I don't know how that's going <laughs> to fly. Didn't, they didn't listen to you. They've caused Beth level. Yeah. I, listen, they, nev- they rarely listen to me. Um... <laughs> I think BB New Earth could have done it too. Oh sure, yeah. sure thing. Yeah, it's okay. Um, is Alison Janney gonna be playing Madame Morrible in in the Wicked movie? Is that what's gonna happen? We can talk about <laughs> uh, once again. We can talk off pod. <laughs> Brand, uh, no, I'm delving into this because there's not much else to talk about. Brand, have you? Do you? What are your thoughts on the Wicked casting? Do you give a shit? Do you care at all? Oh no. <laughs> Same. I don't think Same so. Brand. <laughs> I'd love to. I'd love for like Alexander Billings to be Miss Marble or something yes, like that. Yes. I hope that. 
I hope the one name I'm dreading to see mm-hmm. on that list is, it is Jimmy? James Corden. Yeah. Mr. Oh, James Corden. Jimmy, my, 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 the evil me, as I like to is call him. Is he going to be the <laughs> evil Ben Gay? Yeah. <clears throat> like the goat. Just think of how insufferable he'd be as that goat guy. Well, as we all know, our, our, our guest Liz Gottlieb is a, a sitting professor <laughs> at, at Shiz University. I am. Uh, my my yeah. handle on Twitter is Dr. Dillamond, um, <laughs> which mm. I love that character. Also, I have a note in here that the guy who plays Tinsworthy in in Nine to Five, the original, is Michael X. Martin, who is currently <gasps> Dr. Dillamond oh, in shit. Wicked. Oh wow! Yeah, comes in the full Colonel Sanders outfit. Um, As yeah. well, he should. Um, that's Nine to Five. What a way to make a musical. Um, now <laughs> before we go, Liz Gottlieb. At the end of every episode of Movie the Musical, we ask our guests a very important question. So, Liz. If you could adapt any movie into a musical that has not been adapted already, what movie would you choose? Okay. This is the long-awaited day. So (laughs) for brief context, at the beginning of the pandemic, my whole friend group was in lockdown. We did this thing called Theater Thesis Thursdays, where we would do um, theater-themed PowerPoints, and we had themes uh, and one of the weeks was this exact topic. <laughs> right. And my choice was The Truman Show. Hell yeah. More All specifically, right. Eva Von Holmes, <laughs> The Truman oh, Show. No. Okay, so I... You're, you're, you're choosing violence this <laughs> evening, Liz. You so... had me so hard at first. <laughs> okay, we can get something, someone else to direct it. However, the man's the king of the screens. So <laughs> I think this thing would be amazing. The screen musical is the way to go. Um, I can get into all of my thoughts and feelings, like who I think should play various roles. Obviously, Patrick Page should play Kristoff. Obviously, Annalie Ashford should play Laura Linney's part. Uh, Obviously, Andy Cole should play Truman. <laughs> well, <laughs> my original proposal for the person I wanted to play Truman, not sure if that person is vaccinated, so we can skip over that person and oh, circle back at a later date. Uh, <laughs> off uh, on, off on. Um, I want Vicki Clark as the, as Truman's mom. Um, right. And then also I think like, you know, corporate sponsorships are, are the bread and butter of the film. Just do it. Just do the real corporate sponsorships. Sure. Um, merch would sell itself. And then also in my presentation, there was an entire slide about the big ass moon, which was featured in Shrek the musical. And then I think, also taken and featured in Sister Act, which is housed in the Broadway theater, and it's just a big ass moon. Uh, and oh, really? the Truman Show has a there big ass go. moon. Um, no. So yeah, I mean that is. I, I'm passionate about this. I really think it could work. We were talking earlier about like the stakes keep heightening and heightening, and this is the perfect, you know, movie um, to to kind of show that in like a, a heartfelt but also zany type musical. So first off, Liz. Great choice. Thank you. Very good. <laughs> Truman Show is a, a personal, excellent film. Personal favorite film of mine. It's really excellent. Directed by the late Milos Forman, uh, one of Jim Carrey's, if not Jim Carrey's, best performance. Um, would Philip Glass uh, do the music sure. for, the, for the stage show? <laughs> I know it's a previous episode, but you know, you all covered Groundhog Day, which I absolutely loved. Loved the episode and the coverage. Um, uh, so I think like <laughs> that kind of same like Minchin esque uh, stuff sure. could work because um, I can I can like picture in my mind certain scenes of like the Minchin esque kind of 
you know, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's like the dream. I love the Truman show. Absolutely love it. It's so. great. It's, it's a good choice. I'm surprised. It's like, uh, like a few weeks episodes ago, uh, Pleasantville. It's a movie that I'm actually surprised hasn't been chosen already. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you've, you state your claim, Liz, this, it's all yours. You, Listen, no one else can choose this one. I, I know get... you were, you were really nervous. You were very nervous that someone had already picked this. I, I, I had you compile a list because I was so afraid. I mean, I listened to the pod, but I was like so afraid that I had missed someone stating my my favorite, you know, adaptation that I want to see. Amazing. Um, fantastic. The Truman Show. It's coming. It's coming to Broadway. Evo's directing it. There'll be screen. He 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 can he can play Kristoff for all I fucking care. Um, <laughs> can I mean, I wonder is Peter. What's Peter Weir up to? He could come and just direct the musical too, right? Was it Peter? You're right. It's Peter Weir. Oh my god, damn it! Yeah, Milos Forman did Man on the oh. Moon. I'm so thank you, thank you for real time fixing that. I got it's, I got the two Jim Carrey things mixed up. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Those are then like a couple years of each other too. I know. I I still feel bad because I've just both feature a moon. There you Both go. The big uh, ass moon. Big, mm-hmm. big butt moon. Um, Liz Gottlieb, thank you so much for joining us uh, on this episode. Um, do you want to, do, do you got stuff to plug? Do you have things to tell our viewers, listeners about? I have nothing to plug. Uh, please <laughs> follow, follow me on Twitter at, at Dr. Dillamond, um for some, for some zany stuff. I use a lot of asterisks to talk about people that I don't want searching me. So yeah, that's, that's about it. <laughs> Again, truly uh, Broadway's Gossip Girl. And I will <laughs> stick to that. Statement. I will, I will uh, wear that crown happily. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta. Um, we hope to have- hey, I got a closing weird fact thought. Please. You know, the other song, there's another song called Nine to Five that came out this same year in Britain that's known as Morning Train by Sheena Easton in the US because this movie was so popular here by the time it got here. Wow. And everybody has heard that song, which we'll end with. <laughs> well... While that classic <laughs> hit is playing behind me, uh, or about to be playing behind me, who knows? I can't hear the future. I want to thank Liz Gottlieb for guesting. I want to thank Brian Mulhead, as always, for producing and editing the show. I want to thank each and every one of you for listening. I want to thank Emily Harrington for our artwork. I want to thank M. Modaf and Josh Stanley for our kick-ass theme song. If you like the show, be sure to rate us, review us, and subscribe for future episodes wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at MovieTheMusical. And if you want to support the podcast, get some sweet bonus content, you can go to patreon.com slash MovieTheMusical and consider becoming a monthly member. And if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, this Friday at Davenport's Piano Bar and Cabaret here in Chicago, 8 p.m., Friday, November 19th, Come to movie the musical the cabaret, uh, based Ooh. off based off of today's rehearsal. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be fun. <laughs> it's gonna be very fun. You could even win a prize. I might be giving away some of my treasured Broadway memorabilia um, if you get some trivia questions right. It's gonna be very fun. Uh, that's all for now. Keep on singing, and go pour yourself a cup of ambition. <laughs> <laughs>